0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, you guys can do better than that this holiday Sunday. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, it, it really is a privilege to be able to spend time with you today, and thanks to, to Pastor Josh. I know he's not here, but thanks to, if you're watching this right now, my friend, thank you so much for, for being willing to extend this invitation to, to myself. My daughter is here with me. She's in the back. Uh, my wife is at home because it was an early drive, and she said, Nope. <laughs> No, our son is at a sleepover, and somebody needed to be home, so whenever he gets home, to be able to welcome him, to see how the time went. But it's such a great privilege for us to, to be here with you, and we trust that as the word is opened, as we make much of Jesus together, that we are encouraged, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day, to continue to, to live for him. Amen? Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an anxious person. Well, I, I, I kind of, I can be. I'm sometimes an anxious person, but I don't like waiting. I'm not a waiting person. And this past week, I, I had to do some waiting that I wasn't really excited about. The waiting was I had to wait for a package. You know that's like. You order a package from Amazon. They say, we're going to be between the hours of morning waking up and bedtime, and, and you can't leave your house. <laughs> we our, our dryer broke. Which is, I mean, it's fine in the summertime because you can hang things out in your backyard, but it's not convenient because you have to literally hang them one at a time and things like that. And you have to wait for the sun to be at a certain angle to get things dry and all this sort of stuff. So we had to wait but to go and buy a dryer. Now, none of us like planning for this stuff, Right. No one's going to, like, I just have money sitting aside to buy a dryer, to buy a fridge. None of us have that. But if that happened to us, and we start freaking out because we're like, hey, what do we do? Where do we get to find the money? I guess we've got to rob a bank again. And all the sort of stuff to kind of figure out how to, and then finally we make the decision to buy this dryer. And then Home Depot calls us and says, it's going to be coming um, between the hours of 8 to 8. So you start worrying, okay, well, what, what if there's an emergency and we have to leave the house? Are they just going to drop it on the front lawn? Do we have to carry this in ourselves? Our son is 10. He can't carry a, a dryer by himself. Isn't, that's, that's You can't do that. And it's worry because you're thinking about like, well, 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 what if, and what if, and what if, and what if, so we can't leave our house, but what if, what if it doesn't work and we have to send it back, and they're not going to be able to send it on Canada, they're not going to deliver anything on like Canada Day, it's Canada Day, they're not gonna, so we have to wait until the following week, and can we go two weeks without a dryer and all this sort of stuff, and the anxiety starts. And it's a dryer. It's not that big of a deal, it's a dryer. But in that moment, because it's personal, it becomes a really, 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 Big deal. And you, you're, you start losing sleep over a dryer. <laughs> a dryer. You start getting into petty arguments over a dryer. You start walking into Home people going, I don't want any help with anything. I just need a dryer. Like, All this attitude starts kind of flowing out of you over a dryer. And your peace is, is, is robbed. Again, it's facetious, this idea of talking about a dryer and peace, but we've all sort of been in those moments where. Something happens and peace is fleeting, right? Maybe it's something small or maybe it's something very, very, very big that nobody here in the room knows about, that we've been holding on to ourselves quietly because our our peace is rocked. Something has happened in our lives and we're we're worried, we're, we're nervous, we're anxious. Scripture says that Jesus gives us peace that surpasses our understanding. It guards our hearts and it guards our minds. And we're like, I would like that, please. I just don't know how to find it. Because every time I think I've gotten hold of it, it seems to go through my, my fingers like sand at the beach. It doesn't stay long enough. So this morning I wanted to talk a little bit about peace. We're in a weird time. It seems like every time we, <laughs> we get there's a weird time in our world, but in the last couple of weeks with rulings from the states and the, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, also I think there's peace is at a premium, the desire for peace at a premium. We're, we're reading self hub books to hopefully figure out how to receive all this sort of stuff, but what, did, what does peace look like? How do, we, how do we receive it? How do we learn about it? How do we grow into it? I don't know if I have all the answers myself personally, but what if we, we look in the scriptures together? What if we look in the scriptures for, for a short span of time and, and look at what Jesus would say about peace and how we can move to, towards it? So we're going to spend a little bit of time in, in John chapter 11 this morning, or this afternoon, depending on when you're watching this, or Tuesday, whenever else it is that you plan to watch this, this time together. But for us, we're going to spend time there. And before that, I want to give a little bit of of context for for our reading this morning. So Jesus, in John chapter 10, he has just spent time in Jerusalem for the festival of dedication, which we now know as Hanukkah, where he dealt with many questions about this claim about being the Messiah, to the point of the threatening of his well-being through stoning. And then he crossed towards Bethany, across the Jordan River, to continue to minister to people. Also in and around Bethany, there was a man by the name of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. The Apostle John writes in verse 1 of John chapter 11 that Lazarus was sick. And we see that in verse 3, there was a closeness between the siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and Jesus, because they sent word to him with this message, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Verse 5 even says, now Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. They felt like they had the inside hookup. You know, everyone says, like, I know a guy. Hey, come see my, you need a car fix? I know a guy. Jesus was there. I know a guy guy. Okay? They felt like if we reach out to Jesus, who loves us, who loves our brother, surely because we have the inside track, we have the inside hookup, he will come through for us. They not only have a hope in Jesus, they have a deep assumption of, we know him, he likes us, so we will be fine. Lazarus' story does not go in that direction, however. The following 12 verses in John chapter 11 details two things for us happening simultaneously. The first thing is that Lazarus' condition rapidly gets worse. He goes from having a cough to getting really, really, really sick. And the second thing happening at the exact same time is that Jesus delays in going to see him. So Lazarus is getting worse, and Jesus is like, I'll get there when I get there, which doesn't really make any sense. Now, in Eastern rituals and customs, before someone left this earth, a religious man or two would sit down with them to bring comfort, to read their last rites, and essentially vouch for them to make it onto the better side of the afterworld now these three would not hold on to this belief system this is being mary martha and lazarus entirely but the comfort of knowing that their friend jesus could be there to hold him or heal him would have brought them much peace and yet jesus takes his time to get there it is the oddest thing it is off-putting yet at the same time it's quite fascinating Jesus tells his disciples that Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, but instead God's will will be accomplished through him, through Lazarus. And then when he senses that Lazarus has fallen asleep, a.k.a. that Lazarus has died, he simply says, I'm going to wake him up. And then he slowly then makes his way to where Lazarus and his sisters were, which is where we find ourselves in this morning's teaching. Now, what does the story of Lazarus dying and Jesus taking his time to get to him have to do with moving towards the road to peace, towards being a peacemaker, towards sensing God's peace in our lives. What does a story about a guy who gets sick and dies, and then spoiler alert for those of us who have read the story, is then risen back to life, have to do with being a people of peace today? A people who are... Gifted with peace, and then who are tasked with then bringing peace to the brightest spaces and darkest corners of our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and families, etc. Well, let's look at what happens between the moment, the news of his death, and the resurrection to discover that together. So we start at verse 17, John chapter 11. On his arrival, he, who, he um, Could he not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So some key observations there. John indicates that by the time Jesus finally shows up, Lazarus had been dead and buried in the tomb for four days. Now the number four here is significant because Eastern tradition believed that after death, the soul hung around the body for three days waiting to find out where they would rest in the afterlife with hopes that a religious person, a rabbi or a priest, would speak on their behalf to get them into the good place. Those of you who are fans of the television show the good place can appreciate that reference there. This is the bad place. This is not the bad place, but you know what I mean. So they're hoping hoping that somebody would say, hey, listen, they were a good person. I know there was the whole thing here and there, but they were a good person. Let's let them in. Let's, you know... Let them, that's what they're hoping for. But Jesus isn't there to walk Lazarus into the afterlife. And after he died, he wasn't there to vouch for him. The fourth day is significant in some respects because depending on the tradition that they held, it was actually too late for Lazarus to go to the actual good space. Second thing we see is that people had traveled from Jerusalem to Bethany to mourn with Martha and Mary. It was an early look at what our Jewish brothers and sisters would describe as observing Shiva, where somebody would come, where people would come together for sometimes a week, sometimes a month long mourning period together. Food would be brought, tears would be cried, all for the sake of those left behind. So when Jesus shows up, when Jesus finally shows up, they are observing Shiva. There is a group of people there. So it's not like Jesus saying, hey, it's just me and you here. It's everybody kind of observing this moment. Like everything is on full display. Jesus is not able to kind of hide and say, Look, I'm just, let's just talk in a corner. Like everyone's kind of like, so what's he saying? I, I can't read lips, but I think he's saying, I'm, I don't know. Like that's what's happening right now, right? Like everyone is paying attention to this. Martha hears that Jesus is coming, and she makes her way towards him, while Mary stays behind. And this fits their personalities. We recognize that Luke had also written about, about these two, and he describes Martha as being the mover and the doer, while Mary was more the contemplator. And so we have Martha in front of Jesus, carrying her grief, her sister's grief, her anger, her questions, her worries for the future, and she lets Jesus have it. She brings all of what she is feeling to not the feet of the master, but to the face of the master. Can I speak to your manager, please? Right? Like that's what's happening right there. That might be triggering for some of you, right? Like that's what's happening right there. And maybe that's you this morning. You've come. And we've come together, and we're, we're singing these songs, at least here in, in person. And quietly, as you're singing these songs, there's stuff that's just going on inside you. And you have your grief, your anger, your questions. And as you're singing, as you're raising your Ebenezer, thank you for that lesson, by the way. It's fantastic. Like, as you're, as you're, raising, as you're raising your needs, you're like, however, Jesus, let me, let me tell you a couple things. I have an issue with you. What are are some things that we can learn from Martha in this interaction with Jesus? What are some lessons that we can learn on the road to peace that Martha teaches us? What are the steps along the road to receiving peace? I would suggest that these are a couple things that we can be thinking about. First step along the road to receiving peace is honesty. Martha says... Lord, Lord, Martha Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I mean that's that's blunt. That is extremely, extremely, extremely honest. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that he makes space for us to bring all of us into our journey. He doesn't push Martha aside in her pain. He doesn't gaslight her or just tell her simply to say, hey, just relax. Hey, it's not that bad. It's just a dryer. It'll be here when it gets here. He doesn't do that to her. He doesn't even say it's going to be okay, which is something that we often do with each other, right? Hey, it's going to be all right. Like, how dare you tell me it's going to be all right? You don't know what I'm feeling. Hey, hey, it's going to be fine. He doesn't do that to her. Before he replies to her, he lets her feel. He lets her be sad. He lets her be angry. He lets her feel all of it. And then after she she shares her feelings about Jesus, she talks about his power and standing with the Father. And sometimes I would say, we need a good moment to get it all out. And I'm so thankful That Jesus allows us this opportunity to just simply share and say that's what prayer is. Prayer allows us to get everything out. If you read through the Psalms, they're not all you know candy corn and happy times and picnics. David says sometimes, "Hey, listen, God, that guy who cut me off on the highway, can you kill him, please?" Like that's like that's literally what David's thoughts are. It's not, it's, it's not pretty. He allows us to get these things out. And so often in our Christian circles, we, it's got to be pristine. It's got to be great. It's got to be so nice. And in this moment, Jesus allows Mary to be at the bottom of the barrel a little bit and to actually get it all out. Maybe for you, it's through prayer or it's through spiritual coaching, or counseling, or small groups, whatever it is, it's so valuable for us to get things off of our chest and out of our souls, because if not, it festers. If not, it grows. If not, it leads us to dangerous paths. Martha walks right up to the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and says, if you had been here, <laughs> if you had been here, he would not have died. And Jesus just takes it. He doesn't correct her. He doesn't say, hey, slow your roll. Do you, do you know who I am? Where were you? when he doesn't do that to her. He allows her. And maybe for us this morning, maybe for you watching at home right now, maybe, maybe for us it's just allowing us just to be a little bit more honest with where we're at. Knowing that Jesus makes space for our honesty. He doesn't say to us, that's too far. He says, nah, maybe that's not far enough. What else is going on? What else are you feeling? How else are you feeling? Sometimes we need a good moment to get it all out. Second thing we see is trust. We have honesty, then we have trust. Martha then continues. Verses 22 and 27, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And when Jesus challenges her in what what she believes, she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. See, Jesus doesn't make her believe that Lazarus will rise again. This is something that she believes herself. As she has known Jesus as a friend and has seen him, there's a trust that he is who he says he is. It's in her bones. As angry as she is with him, she knows who he is. It's beauty, the beauty of our relationship with God, with our relationship with Jesus, is that we know both things can be true. I can be angry with you, God, and know that you are God, the creator of all things, who holds my life in your hands, and who can make a miracle out of a mess. Both things can be true at the same time. And sometimes what happens with us as Christians is we choose one or the other, and we ignore the other one. Either we are angry at God all the time, and we don't believe, or we believe everything, and everything's happy, and we stub our toe, and we just begin to pray, song, sing praise songs because we can't allow ourselves to be angry because to be angry is to, is to be sinful. And so, No, God, both things can be true at the same time. Martha is upset with Jesus. If you had been here, but she's also like, but I know that if you ask your father, he'll give you whatever you ask. And I believe, that, I believe in who you are. I've seen the fruit of your life. I've seen the miracles. I've heard the stories. I, you're that guy in my life. I, you're the guy. I know you. And because I know you, even though I'm angry with you, I can trust you. He doesn't make her believe She believes even in her doubt, even in her anger. And all Jesus says to her is, do you believe this? No force, no coercion. He allows her to make this decision on her own. And how cool is it? Just just an observation. How cool is it that it's a woman who makes this declaration? I believe in who you are. He doesn't say to her, well, listen, as a man, I will. No, he says, do you believe this? And he allows her to respond with this expression of trust, this expression of holding on, this expression of faith. I love this. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. So there's honesty, there's trust and then there's resolution and invitation. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, he is asking for you. So she makes this grandiose, heartfelt statement. And then she rushes back to her contemplative sister to invite her to go through a similar process. So you remember, there's a group of people, so Mary stays back. Mary stays back because she is not only contemplating, but she's also entertaining and hosting everybody who has come to observe this morning moment with her, right? You you know, like, you always kind of leave people in your house while you're, I'm just gonna go out for two days, just take this, don't touch the stereo. Like, that's not what's happening right here. Mary stays back, and Martha beelines for her sister. The teacher is asking for you. And Mary, she shows up, and it's different. She says the exact same thing. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But with Mary, it's, it's less words and it's more tears. It's, it, she's, she's, her response is different than Martha. Martha is pointing a finger. If you had been here. Mary's like, if you had been here. That's my acting. And the Oscar goes to, I want to thank my parents, um... Where Martha, and Mary, where Martha and Jesus have more of a discussion of sorts. Mary, who is accompanied now by all of these mourners and Jesus, they have more of an emotional moment together. But this happens after Martha's own resolution into who Jesus is. See, it, it, it's not enough just for us to be honest with Jesus And then to trust him, it's to make a a resolve in our soul, say, like, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to tell the story of him and invite somebody else to experience this peace as well. It's not just for us enough to be able to hold on to peace and go like, well, we are the Christians. We are the church. We have the peace of God. And I'm sorry if you don't catch on Facebook. It's not enough for us. It's a part of the mandate of the believer to then go and offer this invitation to peace to other people, knowing that they're going to respond to Jesus differently. They might not respond the way we would. They might, it might not look the same or feel the same, but he still invites us to go and invite somebody else to experience the fullness of who he is. It's not enough for us to know it for ourselves. Martha, she resolves, she's like, I know who he is, and now I need to go tell my sister that he is Here. And Mary shows up, and Jesus again, he doesn't gaslight her, he doesn't make her feel small. He actually weeps with her. Scripture says that he literally he he feels within his soul mourning and he weeps himself as everybody else is weeping. He is broken as she is broken. He literally mirrors the, the, the emotions of those in front of him. He doesn't push them away. Instead, he invites them forward. See, because once, once one experiences peace, it's almost second nature to invite somebody to find that same sense of peace. See, peacemaking, it starts with peace receiving. Peacemaking starts with peace receiving. Before we're out there trying to do something, we ha- it has to be internalized in us. It has to start inside of us. It can't be pretend. It can't just be something that we put on. It has to be something that's starting inside that flows out of us. The moment we find out about a good deal, we tell somebody else. The moment we learn about something that somebody can, can benefit from, we are, we, we are quick to tell them about it. It's the same thing with our faith, the same thing with this, this peace of God. We, as, as we receive it, it's second nature for us to go and tell somebody else. As those who receive peace, we, we share this truth because of what Jesus has done in us and for us. We don't share Jesus because of a church or because of Christendom. We share it because he is the, priest, the prince of peace, who Paul describes as being our own very peace. He who is wholeness came to make us whole so we can in turn invite others into a new story built on the wholeness of God. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And then what does Jesus do for us as we walk on this road Peace. As we are in the middle, as we are waiting for peace, as we are waiting for the dryer to finally arrive at our house, as we are waiting for peace. What does Jesus do for us? As we are waiting for a miracle, as we are waiting for the these the steps, walk in it, as we are waiting for the answer. What does he do? First thing he does is he makes space for us. He makes space for us, he invites us. In. He invites us in. Secondly, he invites us to walk towards peace with him. He invites us to walk towards peace with him. He, he doesn't send us on our own. He accompanies us on the journey. Thirdly, he inspires us to firm up our faith and invite other people into a new story it's not just for us the peace of god isn't just for us it's for all those who are around us and i maybe this for you is this for you is something that you need to receive he also feels with us he feels with us friends if you want to make your way back up we're going to sing another song in a second I, 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 I say that because I think for some of us, we, we, we don't realize that he does this. The beauty of knowing that Jesus wept is such a beautiful thing. He saw the pain of the mourners and he identified with their pain. He saw the pain of those who were hurting and he identified with it. And maybe this morning you're here and under the cloak of masks and smiles, you are grieving today. You're in pain today. And you're trying to keep it all together because somehow in the world of church, that's what we have decided we're supposed to do. Christians are to keep it together because that's the joy of the Spirit. know what Jesus does? He sees your pain. He weeps with you. He feels with you. He sees your anxiety. He sees your worry. He sees your search, and he walks with you. He feels with you. And may you sense today, in a real way, the closeness of the Spirit of God May you sense today the closeness of the Spirit of God that invites you to bring all of who you are to him, your anger, your frustration, your questions, your doubt, and know that he says, okay, I can handle that. And he won't turn you away. He won't yell at you. He won't say to you, well, you're getting it wrong. Did you? No. He will simply say, I'm here. Do you believe this? Do you believe in who I say that I am? And allow you to go through the process of moving towards peace. And may it be that over the course of this summer, in whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you may experience in the future, that you will sense the peace of God that passes all understanding, and that you would know that peace guards your heart, and it guards your mind in Christ Jesus.